Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. Good morning. So God gives us all gifts from his kingdom as he chooses. And it's pledge season. So I'm going to start with a brief comment about that. Um, and by the way, for those of you, this is a pledge card. So what I ask is all members, if you would please complete a pledge card. Now, if you're a visitor or a newcomer, as Henry has said often, we're not inviting you to supper so that you for you to pick up the check. So don't worry about it. Um, Matt mentioned last week that this church is an exceptionally generous church. And I'm not trying to step on his comments, but I want to point something out. As a new member, which his family are, this obviously speaks volumes about who we are. I've been here a while, quite a while. I've seen the generosity of the people of this church. Now, one of the things I want to point out is I tithe now, but I didn't always. I had kids in college, commitments. I can name a hundred reasons I'm sure you guys could add to my list. But at one point, I received the same advice that Matt gave last week for those of you that are giving to the church. Start small if you're not tithing and make a gradual increase until you're tithing. Honestly, I have not missed the money. And although it's not guaranteed, in my case, I can honestly tell you that God has returned my giving manyfold. And in our gospel today, we see the concept of fairness, God's sovereignty, and God's grace. And I want to explore these concepts, but as I do, I ask you to consider your giving and how you respond to God in these areas. Uh, one thing I want to point out, there were some sermon notes and are some sermon notes, and I was a little late in letting the ushers know, so on your way out, if you want to pick them up, they're stacked on the table. But in the gospel today, we see an agrarian scene. Many of us probably don't understand what we're looking at. A vineyard owner needed to get his crop harvested. Now, something that you'll see in Napa Valley or Sonoma, or even west of Lubbock, where wine grapes are involved, is the vintner goes out near harvest time every single day, maybe two or three times a day, and checks the grapes to see if they're ready for harvest. When the vintner makes the comment, it's time to harvest, it is time now. Not next week, not a week from now, but now. If it's midnight, you get everybody out there right now. It's an all-hands-on-deck. The problem is that when the vintner makes the call, a one-day delay could ruin the entire crop. And our gospel today kind of points that out. The harvest is at hand, all hands on deck. The vineyard owner wants the wine grapes in now. He needed all the people he could get to have a successful harvest. So he goes to the ready labor area, and all cities have them, and he hired everybody he could find. And he did so at an agreed-upon wage of one denarius. Later, he went to a different spot, and he hired more. And he came back, and he did it again when he found more people that were out of work. This is an absolutely critical point in the harvest. And he needed every single warm body he could find. And finally, near the end of the day, he found more workers standing around. 
And he hired them. He said, come on, let's go. Now, when the harvest was completed and everybody lined up to get paid, he paid them all the same. And what was agreed to to the first group? One denarius. The group who worked all day doing back-breaking work. This is hard work. Running, scrambling, lifting the heavy bins of grapes. They were exhausted. All day in the hot sun. Y'all kind of get the picture. This is where Jesus always gets us in his parables. Because if you're like me, my first reaction was, well, that's not fair. And he always does this to us. That's the beauty of a parable. We're all rallying behind the guys who are physically and emotionally exhausted, aren't we? It's only fair that they should get more. When they grumbled, the vineyard owner asked three critical questions. And I ask you to go back when you get a chance, especially if you're bored during a sermon, and read those three questions. Number one, did you not agree with me for a denarius? Anybody got any questions about fairness? They agreed to their wage. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Sovereignty. Do you begrudge my generosity? Grace. I'm sure everybody here sees what just happened, and I saw a few smirks out there. The vineyard is a metaphor of God's people. Isaiah 5 and John 15 tell us this. The harvest is at hand, all hands on deck, and God's people are the vineyard. And the owner of the vineyard is God. When the harvest is ready, God will harvest, and he will give the workers according to his will. So the first question, did you not agree with me for a denarius? This hits our fairness gene right to the core. What is fair? How many people here see this applied to their lives? When I was part of a startup church, Holy Cross in Houston, Texas, I was comfortable with the knowledge that not my name was on the founder's plaque. I was proud of that fact. And after attending for about a year, I noticed that newcomers were getting positions like usher, greeter, server, stage setup, positions of responsibility, and I was never asked. Darn it, I started this church. And finally, on the way home one Sunday, I told my wife, so we're finding another church. Now, she was absolutely flabbergasted. And when I told her why, I expected sympathy. But I got a scolding. She said, you have to ask to help. You're not do anything. This hit me like a ton of bricks. Not that she was right, which she was. 
But my arrogance hit me like a ton of bricks. I was proud of starting a church, expecting to be recognized because I was there. When in reality, I was doing nothing. I was there to worship God, not worship me. Our wages for serving on this earth are not money, popularity, accolades. And I found that on this earth, when I get closer to God, Satan hammers me harder. Is this fair? Fairness is following our agreement with God. Our covenant with God. The new covenant. And Jesus promises in his new covenant, forgiveness of sins, eternal life with him and a glorified form, a glorified body. Now the penalty for rejecting the covenant is separation from his holy kingdom. Now in his holy kingdom, I want you to imagine the most joyous time in your life that you've ever had. I want you to visualize that time. Maybe birth of a child, maybe marriage. That moment is a shadow of a bad day in the presence of God. It will be so glorious. Our reward with the Father in heaven is glorious, and and this is what God promises. Now, I want to point out that those who walked with God earlier in time, their lives were not necessarily what we would call fair. Most of the apostles and many of the early Christians, and I could give you quite a list, died horrific deaths earning a golden crown of glory when they stand before their father. Recently, the martyrs in Syria earned the crown of gold simply by accepting Christ as their Lord and they were killed for it. Now the second question I am, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? God is sovereign over everything. God's sovereignty speaks to us, speaks to all of us, but we tie it back to fairness, don't we? God's sovereignty, His providence. How many times do we look at God and say, you know, if you'd have done it my way, things would have worked out better for me. A little uncomfortable chuckle there, too. We've already seen that we all agree to a very simple wage. And it's not on this earth. God will not randomly bless us on this earth, but giving, give us according to His plan, to His will. Is it fair to me not to get what I deserve? Do you really want what you deserve? You, my brothers and sisters in Christ, are sinners, as I am. The wages of sin is death. That is what you deserve. But God loves you so much, He doesn't seek your death. Even though we're filthy sinners, God desires a relationship with you, and even sent His Son to earth to suffer and die a horrific death to cleanse you of all your sin. Jesus is standing with arms wide open and all he asks for you is for you to repent and turn to him, accepting who he is 
our my God. Repent and turn to God and receive what is agreed on. Eternal life with Christ. And this leads us to the last question. Do you begrudge my generosity? There is a word for God's generosity. Grace. God dispenses his grace to all who follow him according to his will. And he may not follow your plan. So when I was a young man, 18 or so, I didn't know God. And my family didn't have a lot of money. But I was personally absorbed by the things my wealthier friends could afford. I wasn't a Christian. So I'd look at what God did for them, and I'd get angry and jealous, envy. He wasn't doing those things for me. Designer clothes, frequent heavy partying, nice cars. I couldn't afford any of these things. Yes, just to make it real clear, I look back and my loving parents did great with three kids. Matter of fact, my mom's here today, so I got to be careful about the partying comment. I always had food on my plate, clothes on my back. And when I turned 16, my dad bought me a vehicle, a 63 Chevy pickup with a blown engine. Now, we're not going to talk about the parting, because like I said, my mom's here. But in reality, we were comfortable. We weren't wealthy, but we were comfortable. But then a new thing hit, the Texas lottery. And I remember this clearly because I begged God to let me win. There was a way to fix his mistake. And I knew it. I saw the winners week after week and knew God would grant me my wish to become a lottery winner. I remember even praying that if God would let me win, I'd follow him. Well, he didn't. So for a while, I believe there must not be a God. Because if there was, he would have rewarded me just for asking. That's what the TV preacher said anyway. Now, God did direct me on his path. And I did win the lottery. Not the Texas lottery. The lottery of life. Soon after, I met a young lady. Like months after that I've spent the last 40 years of my life with. And she helped me get through college with my rock in difficult times. Blessed me with three children. And someone I can honestly say is my love, my partner, my better half. Oh, also, she put up with me. <laughs> you see, God did let me win the lottery. God was generous with me. But I was too tied up in things I wanted to see that. If you trust God, he will provide for you. And let me repeat that. If you trust God, he will provide for you. It may not be according to your plan. Anybody looking at this going, my plan would have really stunk? But according to his grace, do you think the Syrian martyrs had their deaths as part of their plan? That their children, now fatherless, should struggle in this temporal realm? Probably not. But they're with their father. So where does this leave us? I hope you see 
God has you where you are in this life for his purpose. He may not keep you there if you're in a difficult spot, but he may for a while to give you instruction. It's fair because from God's point of view, simply because he knows what's coming next. He knows you from birth. He has every hair on your head numbered. Number keeps going down. But do you trust him? If not, perhaps it's time to seek God and change direction. We must fully accept God is sovereign in our lives to receive his grace. He is in control of everything that happens, good and bad. Now finally, envy is a tool of Satan that he uses to destroy our relationship with God. When we look at the things of this world with possessive lust, Satan wins. My community Bible class this week, there's a commentary I read, and I love the line, God answers prayer by either changing your circumstances or changing your heart. In my story, as I look back, if I would have had my way and won the Texas lottery, it would have been a train wreck. I see now I probably would have led a life as an alcoholic and probably died young. But God changed my heart and instead blessed me with the love of my life. Now, I did hand out sermon notes, so if anybody wants them, they're in the back. But it has the list of the questions that Jesus posed. And I ask you to take those home and consider how you answer those questions to God. And to close, look at the areas that separate you from God and pray for God to change where you are at or change your heart to follow closer to Him. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.